You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Ian, look at this. What, well, it's a police box. What on earth is he doing here? Hey, these things are usually on the street. I feel it. I feel it, you feel it? It's a faint vibration. It's alive. Earth Station Who? A fun mashup celebrating nearly 50 years of the Doctor Who universe. Hold tight. You never know where the TARDIS is going next. Who are you? I'm glad you asked that again. Bit of adrenaline, dash of outrage, and a hint of panic knitted my brain back together. I know exactly who I am. I'm the Doctor. Sorting out fair play throughout the universe. Now please, get off this planet. While you still have a choice. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Earth Station Who podcast. That's right, we are going back, wow, nine years already. I'm totally shocked by that. We're going back to June 5th, 2010, when the doctor actually met Vincent van Gogh, or Vincent van Gogh, or however you want to pronounce it, uh, but van Gogh, and it was pretty amazing of an episode on a lot of different levels and we were talking about it because we are returned with a guest who gave us a good topic last time now she's given us an even better one this time welcome back jen allen oh thank you for having me <laughs> so we'll talk about in a sec why you picked this one but you know how has it been now returning to the podcast for the second time Oh, I'm 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 honored to be back. Uh considering I've only just met some of you was it been two months ago now? <laughs> yeah. Time's flying when you're having mm-hmm. so much fun. Yeah. So uh, yeah, but I'm definitely I'm I'm delighted to be back. Yep, it's great to have you. <laughs> so you want to t- for those who didn't hear you last time. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, well, I've been po- podcasting for about five years now through other podcasts. And I, I met uh, Mike and gang through the South Carolina Comic-Con a few weeks ago, months ago, something like that. And obviously, I've been invited to be here. i not on the socials, sorry. But uh, I am on another podcast called uh, Starbase 66, or it's now called Starbase The Next Generation, if you want to check that out. And they talk about general geek stuff, but uh, I'm glad to be here to talk about who. Well, it's always good to talk about who, you know? (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's always a nice way to escape reality and go wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey. Exactly. (laughs) With the best of us. And especially, you know, with so much going on in the world today, heck, the biggest movie of the year has so much time travel in it that would turn the doctor's hair gray completely. Mm, Probably. Yeah. (laughs) So it's pretty awesome with that. Mm -hmm. So why did you pick uh, Vincent and the doctor? Um, It's just one of those episodes. There's a a few episodes throughout all of the years of who that just really stand out. And for one reason or another, either they're just really, really good, really good writing, uh, the feels. And I think this particular episode kind of has a little bit of everything. It has the feels and it has good writing and it has good acting and a lot of good character development in it. No, totally understand that completely. And I agree completely 
completely with that. And we are all gathered here to talk about. We also have our regulars here. Of course, Miss Mary Ogles here. Hi, everybody. It's great to be here. It's great to have you, Mary. And of course, the one and only who should have a Van Gogh painting of his own, Mr. Mike Gordon. Howdy. Would we call it Howdy Night or something like that? <laughs> wow. I'm, I'm reaching. You could tell. I could tell. It's really interesting with this one. They actually did, and I'm as well, we might as well just jump in with both feet. There is no new Doctor Who news out there right now. They're being very tight-lipped about any new episodes or anything like what's going on with production and such. So hopefully we'll get start getting some news as summer creeps around and the recording wraps up. So, you know, we might as well jump in with Vincent and the doctor. And this is still Matt Smith's first season as the doctor and Karen Gillen as Amy Pond for, you know, still traveling together. And it's one of my favorite episodes of Doctor Who, period. I was an art history major in college, and Van Gogh was one I studied regularly. Van Gogh, Rembrandt, Picasso, you know, all through, you know, history, various artists that just caught my eye. And Van Gogh was one of those that just was, you know, on on it. And loving this episode so much and showing not only the man, but the pain he was in and the mental illness he was going through. It was really awesome. Yeah. Well-written and moving story. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's almost ruined by the inclusion of a totally unnecessary monster, but that aside, it's, it's just a lovely episode. Very much so. And it was neat to see, and Mary agreed completely, this monster in this episode was unnecessary. You know, it was the catalyst to bring the Doctor and Amy back to the late 19th century, but it wasn't, you know, necessary overall. It wasn't necessary, but I, I love the idea. I love the idea that, that, uh, Vincent, only Vincent could see him because the way that Vincent's brain was wired and his his view of colors and the view of the world, that he could see the creature and nobody else could. I, I, I did appreciate that element of it. And they kind of touched on that he might have had, uh, can't, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, but he might have had synesthesia, which is the concept of like you use a different sense to sense something, like you hear colors. And he was kind of hinting at that as part of his quote-unquote mental illness. I thought it was fascinating. And because of that particular, the way his brain was wired, it was part of the reason he could see the monster. And it also was an influence on his work. Plus, I also like the idea, it's not developed really well, but I like the idea that the the monster itself is not um, evil mm -hmm. and it's not killing people on purpose. It's just blind. And uh, I wish it could have tied in a little bit more with uh, the other characters, but the fact that it's blind and just kind of bumping around 
and and not meaning to harm anything. I mean, it probably would have if it could see, but uh, the fact that uh, you know it's it's sort of a tragic figure in this as well. Mm-hmm. So I think it's I don't think it's unnecessary. I just think it wasn't developed as well as maybe some of the rest of this was. It just felt very shoehorned in, and I, I mean, I, I I can agree with you about what you're saying about how Vincent was the only one who could see it. But it just, it was, it felt like a whole separate story. Like it didn't belong there and they didn't connect it very well. And it, I mean, to me, the real monster in this story is mental illness. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like, yeah. It's, the theme's not overcoming the monster, the physical monster, but it's coming to the realization that we can't fix everyone, no matter how much we admire or love them. And watching. Mm-hmm come to that realization is actually a really sad but beautiful moment mm-hmm. no exactly and that's one of the things you know mental illness can't be just fixed overnight either and i think that's part of the thing they were trying to go for you know is showing hey if we point vincent into this direction he's you know gonna be positive and try to you know he won't kill end up killing himself that's the that's the interesting thing about this too is that we've seen the doctor <clears throat> meet various historical figures over the the, the decades um, and artists too. I mean, big art. Uh, more recently, in New Who with like you know Charles Dickens or Shakespeare. Um, but right away, there's a different tone to this because um, because of the fact that you know of of how Van Gogh like ended his life. And the troubles that he had, it's there's a real sensitivity to to both the doctor and Amy when they meet him. Mm-hmm. Like they really want to meet him. I mean, he is a rock star in their eyes, but yet a very tragic one, and they're just not really sure how to approach him in a lot of ways that they would. I mean, most of the times when you see and uh, you know a, a historical figure, they're almost played. I don't want to say for laughs, but there's a lot of like, you know, joking around and, and a lot of like in jokes uh, about their material and everything made, but not in the case, not in this case. This one's very different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And like this was not done for laughs at all. I don't think many historical figures other than Hitler was done for laughs. No, well, Dickens a little series. bit with the yeah, Ninth Doctor because he's like, I'm a big fan. He's like, what's a fan? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dickens is, Shakespeare is. Uh, um, I don't. Uh, I didn't think Shakespeare was done for laughs. Though. There's a lot of there's a lot of cheekiness in the in Shakespeare's portrayal. I mean, it's not it's not dead serious. That's not a dead serious episode like this one is. No. Uh, there wasn't, and I loved though the portrayal of Vincent by you know he was just amazing, you know as Tony Coran was almost like born to play the character, right? Like. And he's one of those actors that you've like seen him and stuff, but don't really know his name. He's one of those kind of actors. He's in a lot of sci-fi and fantasy stuff. He was in Blade Two. He was in the the Defiance TV show. Uh, he was in the second, uh, um, uh, oh, he's been in a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I have seen him in a lot of stuff before this, but I must say that this was the first time I was like, oh, 
this guy, like, and since he played this, like every time I see him, he, like I, I know who he is now. Mm-hmm. Like it was one of those things where I, I don't think I knew him or he really stood out to me before this episode. Mm-hmm. Heck, when I saw him at Dragon Con, it was like, oh, it's Vincent Van Gogh. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, it's just, he was just great in the role. And I love the interaction with him and the doctor and Amy. It was, it was just, it was just fluid. And yeah. the chemistry was good. Yeah, and you you have to put it into context that this was right after Rory had been quote unquote erased out of existence. So the doctor yeah. was like taking her around to just kind of cheer her up. Uh, and this was one of their stops. And there's actually a small moment where he goes, Amy and Rory, who? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, because I had forgotten that. Because I, you know, when he, when Van Gogh says, to Amy that, that you know, I sense a lot of sadness in you. And she's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, and that's the thing about it is, I mean, the doctor knows, but Amy doesn't remember, mm-hmm. uh, at least not consciously remember uh, that she's had this loss as well. Yeah. So she's suffering in this uh, in a different way as well. Yeah. I think Amy's the real center of the narrative here. Mm-hmm. Because we're watching Vincent's life unfold through her eyes and all it, all its glory and all its despair. And Amy even becomes his muse in a way. And that makes her feel powerful, like she can change things. But then she discovers that, that she can't. Mm-hmm. She has to live with the lesson. And, and it's interesting to watch this. This is the first instant. This is the first uh, uh, Amy Pond uh, portrayal that I've seen or rewatched since I've seen uh, Avengers Endgame. And um, not to spoil anything, but Karen is amazing in that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, probably the best performance she's ever given for anything. And so just on the tail end of that, rewatching this, all of a sudden I'm really noticing how, how, how good she is. And uh, I think a lot of times during her run here, we kind of took her for granted because she, you know, she plays such a flighty character, but there's a lot of nuances that she puts into the performance that uh, I, I, I'm only now no- noticing again on a rewatch. Oh, very much so. And it was interesting because you had like her going to Vincent, you know, why don't you p- paint any sunflowers? You'd be great at doing sunflowers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And it was just wonderful and everything. It's interesting though, because I did put this episode, as we mentioned earlier, how the monster really wasn't necessary. Uh, the demons of Punjab this last season, it was same thing, a historical episode where the aliens weren't really needed. You mm-hmm. still would have had a very good story. Yeah. Well, true. Rosa too. I kept thinking of Rosa. That's true. I agree with that, Mary. And you definitely would have had something similar with that. But it was, it's just, it's interesting when you get to that point because, you know, do we really need to have the sci fi element to it when they could have just dealt with Vincent and his mental illness? Well, it's a fair question. Uh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. No, no, I just say it's a fair question. I mean, does Doctor Who need to have something? Um, you know, sci-fi element to it. Um, well, I mean, on a certain level, uh, because it is a show that's supposed to appeal to all ages, 
you know, they don't want to make anything too, they want to make something for the kids, right. To like, to, to sort of hang on to, um, and then slip in like, Oh, here's some like, you know, um, adult storytelling stuff too. So I think, I think that there's pressure on them to, uh, or I think ideally what they'd like to do is give everybody like something. And sometimes it works really, really well. And sometimes it's kind of clunky. And I think here it, it's a little clunky. Hmm. Well, I, I, I agree that, yeah, it was a little, it was, I don't think it wasn't to the point where it wasn't needed, but I think it could have been fleshed out better as already mentioned because right. it was a, a, t- a way to tap into his mental illness in a way that would, if people didn't really understand mental mental illness, it was a kind of a way to explain it. And in, in I guess is a, maybe in a, in a kind of sense by using a physical represent, representation uh, because of the fact that he was the only one who could see it because of his, his mental capacity or whatever. And it was also, like you said, the, the way that they, the reason why they went back in the first place. But, um, I, when it, when the, the big thing happened where it died right near the end of the episode, I was just kind of like, okay, it's dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, they did not flesh out the poor monster very much at all. No. Yeah. And it, but it was interesting that they were all blaming Van Gogh for the curse on the town because of the monster. And they were starting to throw the rocks at him and everything. Yeah. It was, that was just like, oh, talk about a bad reputation in town. <laughs> Well, I mean, in some ways, I mean, you know, uh, he was a monster in town. So, um, yes, you know, so I'm not saying one way or another, he deserved to be stoned, but, um, uh, I mean, certainly there was that, that, uh, that element there, which is why I kind of, you know, I think, I think it, it could have been done where the, the monster, the actual physical monster could have been tied a little bit better with that. Um, but you know, that's okay. It's, uh, it's still got a lot of great moments in it. Um, even though it is kind of silly and, and we do get, you know, some really kind of cool, like trickery. Um, although some of the the effects look kind of silly just because, you know, there's nothing there and it just looks kind of dumb. Um, when, you know, and then it's not really consistent on when we as an audience can see the creature and when we can't, because you would think we would be able to see him whenever we see Van Gogh's point of view, but that's not how that works either. So it's directed in a way or that it's just not done very well. So like I said, that part of it's very clunky. And, uh, but I, I do think that, you know, I, you know, if this had been just a straight up, like, Oh, let's go back in time and deal with Vincent's depression. You know, that, that is a, that's a tough, that's a tough call for, like Doctor Who's never done anything like that before, and not to say that they shouldn't, but I'm just saying it's like that would be a big stretch for Doctor Who to try to tackle. Mm. Agreed. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, I I think actually where this this probably is not the way it was written. I bet the monster was not actually written quite in the way it's portrayed. And I think what lets and now don't get me wrong, I love this episode, it's one of my favorite episodes, but I think the problem there's two problems with it, and one is direction, like you were pointing out. And the other is, is production. I'm not sure they quite knew how to portray a, 
an invisible monster. And so that made it very difficult. And it, and I think that's why I feel like this disconnect between these two aspects of the story where I bet it wasn't like that on the written page. No. Yeah. It would be interesting to read this script. Um, and, you know, Richard Curtis who wrote the script is, you know, is a very, very, very impressive resume uh, over. Uh, I don't know if he's actually come to the States and made stuff, but he's made a ton of great uh, British movies. Oh, very much so. And his stuff is truly classic. And I thought, it had a really good feel to the story, the flowed. It wasn't, there wasn't really any dead time with this for me. And I just, I was just in awe, the beauty of it and how they captured a lot of like his paintings. You know, this is what he based everything off of. Oh yeah. All the, all the, the sets were made to replicate his work. And I thought that was brilliant. Mm-hmm. Oh, the the cafe where they're sitting at the cafe is great. Or when they're, it's a beautiful scene where they're all lying in the field. Oh yeah, and like, Amy geeking out about it all. <laughs> Doctor, that's where you know. <laughs> and it was like, yeah, that's you know, that's how I go when I go to like to movie sets or you know places where they film different things. <gasps> that's where they did that scene. That's where they did that. You know, it's just like it's the same thing. Yeah. There's there's two really really like scenes that I I love in this that are like probably two of the best like Doctor Who scenes ever and one of them is in the field where they're just laying there holding hands I'm like Doctor Who never stops to I mean literally kind of just kind of hang out and look at the stars like that's like just three people just enjoying uh them like enjoying each other's company it's like that it's 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 just really not done ever. And it's like, it's really a cool moment. Mm-hmm. It is. And just to, you know, then for them to animate the sky. Oh, that see, was beautiful. To see yeah. what Vincent sees and, yeah. you know, and how he could see the wind and, you know, it's just, it's just beautiful. And how it became starry night. It was mm-hmm. just, it was just awesome. Yeah. I just, I actually feel fortunate that I was actually able to see Starry Night when I went up to New York and went to Momo and they had a copy of it and realized how small the actual painting is. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you, you think you see these posters, which are huge of the painting and it's not that big. And it's just like, Wow how much detail and everything in just that he got into it is mm. just, it's just fabulous. Yeah. So it's just, it's awesome. And just how it went through. And then the scene where they took Vincent to the museum. See, if you, if you do not cry at that par- particular part of the episode, you do not have a soul. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, of course the cameo by Bill Nye. Mm-hmm. Uncredited, yep. by the way, <laughs> and it was it was just awesome. And he has a cracker of a bow tie in it, of course. <laughs> oh, well, of course. <laughs> that was just so well done, and to see Vincent's reaction to his because he had been, you know, he was using his paintings as like tabletops, and you know, just to put things on, and he started even painting over one of them. You know, to put a new for a new canvas, and it was just like, and Amy was like, "No!" Yeah, yeah the <laughs> director's like, "No!" 
but actually a lot of artists did that believe it or not they would paint over other work that didn't sell oh you can't, you can't afford more canvases so what are you gonna do well, they actually said um with like the mona lisa there's another painting underneath of it but yeah i think yeah there's another portrait underneath because uh, mm-hmm. they did like a a, a a what was it an ultraviolet light over it and they found that there was some stuff underneath it exactly it's it's just amazing and it's just like yeah artists do that all the time it's just like even when i was in school uh the art teacher just used to you know just paint over the the one the the canvas that's there and just go and do your thing on top of it and it was just like really this is somebody's work ah don't worry about it It was last year's student who left the it's like okay yep so it was just it was awesome and one of the most beautiful scenes was Amy sitting in the sunflower field. Mm. It was just like, oh, wow. There's a lot of really nice moments in this. The cinematography in this was just awesome. Yes, yeah. and the lighting. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And it was interesting because this was all filmed in Croatia. Uh, when they did The Vampires of Venice, they filmed them both at the same time. And yeah. it it was just really well done. It's like, wow, Croatia, huh? <laughs> Looks just like Northern Europe. Pretty cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, so it's pretty awesome. And, you know, there there's just so many. I could talk about this, this scene after scene after scene. And just loving, you know, how... Basically, you know, the creature was coming after the doctor and no one able to see it. And it was just, it, and Vincent was the only one. And it was just, it was just awesome. Okay. So what did we think about that weird typewriter mirror thing <laughs> that the doctor had? Oh, that he's carrying around. Yeah. Yeah. It was a typical Matt Smith thing. Yeah. Yeah, kind of that 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 steampunky, you know, uh, element that was true. Uh, that was the case uh, certainly. Even once, like once, <laughs> it's funny. He walked inside the TARDIS, and I'm like, oh yeah, that's what it used to look like. <laughs> it's like it was kind of, you know, in between um, desktops, really, um, in between looks, uh, because it's really like kind of like part like kind of part tens TARDIS and part elevens uh, a little bit, you know, before, before Matt really gets his, uh, his TARDIS the way uh, we think of it, I think. Mm-hmm. See, I like this, the steampunk one. And I thought it was, I didn't say I didn't like no, it. No, no, I, just... I didn't, I, I, but I liked this one because it had the pinball machine yeah. and it had, you know, all these, <laughs> the typewriter and all these different pieces. that Ketchup, uh, mustard. Exactly. It just felt like it was all, <laughs> They had condiments. <laughs> the best way to fly around the world. You know, well, you know. So only the best, of course. And it was great though. I loved it when he you know did his picture and it came up the first two doctors. Mm-hmm. Yes. It was just like, aha. So Yeah, every time I watch it, I'm uh, and, and maybe I miss something, but when he talks about who gave him that device. I always think it's something that I'm supposed to get, but I the two headed stepmother that he barely knew or something like that is what he said. Yeah, it's some, but I always feel like is that a reference I'm supposed to understand because I don't get like I don't get that like 
Because the doctor usually doesn't just, you know, throw out references that are not, you know, name dropping people. You know what I mean? <laughs> but um but Matt's really cool. I mean, this is this is Matt's Okay, so Matt is like like this is his first year. Right? Oh yeah. Yes. So you can still he he tell he's still cooking a little bit. I mean, we talked about how uh, when we saw the you know the two parter, which is what he the, he filmed first. Um, so obviously this was he had been playing the doctor for a little bit before he did this, but still there's some element. He's not really like uh, in full Matt Smith doctor mode in a lot of some of it seems kind of clunky and silly. But other times, other moments are just great. I mean, uh, I like his uh, uh, the fact that you know he just throughout his run he he doesn't he can't stand still, and uh, and, and you know that that moment where they're waiting you know to see the creature he's just like is this how time works for like normal people like like so slow it's so slow it's so slow and 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 constant what does he say and consequential right like mm-hmm. and so linear that's right so slow and so linear like it's like <laughs> i almost felt bad for him in a lot of ways it was just like he was just it almost felt like he was pacing and you felt his pain because it's just like how much longer is like can you be any more of a little kid right there dude <laughs> yeah but the but like the times where he's going up against the monster just looks ridiculous. Like it's like he I can't take him seriously at all when he's just like flailing about and like looking in the wrong direction and not knowing where to like it it just I'm like, yeah that I'm glad that element of the of his doctor goes away after the first season. Yeah, he started getting a little more serious and everything. Cause if you think about it, the next episode after this was the lodger. Mm. Where you had total kinetic energy with, uh, you know, him being the roommate from hell. <laughs> right, right. But, yeah. With a certain, but he's great. I mean, you know, he's he's definitely one of my favorites. It was this one. It is just it just moves and moves and moves and moves, and I loved seeing the TARDIS wrapped in all the posters. Yeah. <laughs> Which was awesome. And then when they went, took it into the time stream, it got all burnt off. Yeah. <laughs> kind of what happened to Captain Jack when he got stuck on the outside of the TARDIS, too. Oh, but he can't die, so it works out. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, my gosh. The way that they had to, the much so much stuff that they had to do, like the replicating of all of his paintings, and they were just kind of like haphazardly all over his house and here's both amy and the doctor like oh don't don't (laughs) Mm -hmm, exactly he thinks they're junk you know yeah i mean he's like he's putting pots of coffee on them and he's really (laughs) getting like you know like making little circles on them and like no don't do that they feel like they're in a museum and to him it's just his house I know he's like. I wish I had something worth like worth something to give you, but I could just give you one of my paintings. Like, whoa, that's 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 your portrait. No, 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 (laughs) no, 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 no. It was interesting though because that scene, like when they saw the sky and everything, there was a movie that came out back in 2017 that was called Loving Vincent. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Oh yes, it it is an amazing movie about the life of vincent van gogh especially his later years and it's all done 
It's animated, but it's all hand animated in his style of his paintings. Yeah, it's beautiful. I highly yeah. recommend it. Yeah, it's a great companion piece to this, actually. Mm-hmm. Exactly, because it's the same era mm-hmm. that this takes place at. Yeah, I, it almost like feels like this. They, like, I don't know if uh, Curtis Richard Curtis was inspired by. I know he he was a, a Van Gogh fan, but it almost seems like they they it was inspired by that maybe a little bit. I don't know. It's it's hard to tell which came first, but it, the timing on both was. Well, Wealthy. this came out seven years before the movie came out. Mm-hmm. So you got your answer right there. I'm thinking of another movie. Okay. <laughs> I'm thinking of a, there's another, there's, do, there's another documentary, right? There's a few of them actually out there. Several of them actually. Yeah. yeah there's another one I'm I'm thinking about. Sorry. I, I don't know. I'll, I'll see if I can remember. Yeah, because the one, Loving Vincent, I think it's up on Amazon Prime, if you have it. It's well worth checking out. Yeah, it really is. And it's like, I just watched that and it was just like, "Ah." and the Starry Night scene ties, like almost flows right into this movie. And so it's pretty cool. Definitely worth checking out if you have a chance. You know, Basically, I'm very glad, Jen, that you picked this one because it has been one that we've wanted to talk about on this podcast. We had reviewed it way back on Earth Station One when we were still doing Doctor Who stuff. But it was just really interesting to see. So, very cool. And It's always good to go back to it. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I had to rewatch it this afternoon myself. I was like, oh, to make sure that I remembered certain parts, but like the monster I had completely forgotten about. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, not yeah. the most. Uh, that's yeah. the most forgettable part. But mm-hmm. actually, it's not even the main part of the episode, really. It's it's really much more about Vincent. Right. I mean, it, it, most people remember, like you said, either the scene in the field or the scene in the in the art gallery at the end. Right. Yes. Oh, and it was heartbreaking when they went back to the museum after they took Vincent back thinking they had changed something. Mm. Well, the doctor knew, but Amy was like full of hope that they, you know, they pointed him in the right direction. And then seeing that he died like 37 days later or something like that. After they had dropped him off. No, he died. He was age 37. He was age 37. He died a few months after they dropped him off. Uh, But it makes me think of, uh, there was an episode of Quantum Leap where he ran into Marilyn Monroe. And ultimately, he did not save her life. Right. And it, it made me kind of feel like that. Like, you do so much, but in the end history has fixed points in time and you just can't change them. And they're, they're there for a reason, you know? <laughs> oh, well, sure. I, also, I, I think it's good that, that the doctor is portrayed as, as kind of helpless in the face of Vincent's mental illness, because I mean, that reflects real life experience. That's what it's like living with a loved one who is going through that kind of trauma. A lot of it is just feeling helpless Mm-hmm. I think it, I think it's also interesting too that the doctor kind of is he accepts it uh in a way that um Amy does not understand 
because when they when they bring him to the museum and he has that moment, then they drop him off again and then they go back to the museum and Amy's like, oh, we're going to have new paint. Like, like we changed history. Like, you know, Van Gogh's alive. We gave him something to live for. It's going to be great. And the doctor knows right away. He's like, I don't, there's not going to be any new paint. Mm-hmm. We, we didn't change time. I didn't do that uh, to, to, to change his mind or to give him something to live for or to change history. Um, I, I did that because it's, it's so tragic. I wanted to give him like, cause it, he has a beautiful, um, and I, and I wish I could remember it exactly, but quote at the end where he's like, you know, life's made up of a bunch of like bad bits and good bits, you know? Mm-hmm. And we just gave him a little more of the good. Exactly. Bits. And it's really oh, like yeah. that scene's almost as touching as, as the scene of Vincent in the museum itself. Mm-hmm. No, that's a great thing. And you know, it's so poignant you know, he was, his life was so much in turmoil, but they gave him so much good in a, for a very brief period, but something, you know, that you couldn't even, you know, fathom, you know, that he couldn't even, you know, he enjoyed himself, but the, the bad took over again and ruled his life. Look at what happened actually in, with Dr. Who, when they were doing the Pandorica stuff. Oh yeah. Cause they, t- it ties in right into this, you know, how he had done the picture of the TARDIS exploding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hell, I have that poster up in William's room still. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just a great picture. And, and that's, that's kind of neat, but it's also, it, it's kind of like a dangerous territory it's almost like you know it's it's almost suggesting oh well you know vincent took his life you got to be really careful when you start like talking about stuff or using historical characters like this right because you're like you want to be sensitive to who they were and you don't want to seem like well you know because the doctor was there like and and vincent had this vision of what was going to happen that's what caused him to 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 commit suicide you don't want to you don't want to make that statement or even imply that right no, that's I true. Get that feeling. No, <laughs> from this, not I from this, either. but I mean later on when when it's introduced with the images introduced. But even then, I actually I didn't even think of that until you you said that. Now I must question everything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, the 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 movie that I was thinking of was actually uh, much older. It's 1987. It's Vincent, and it actually stars. Uh, another Doctor Who alum, John Hurt. And if you, uh-huh. and if you haven't seen it, it's really, really, really good. Cool. A couple of different movies for you to do. Homework for you guys. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Awesome. So any final thoughts on this before we wrap up? Uh, just a lot of the, the different poignant things like that like Vincent specifically said, um, like when he was talking about the sunflowers, he, he said like, I, I don't like sunflowers. They're like uh, death and life at the same time or something like that. I was like, wow, that's really interesting that he would see them that way, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, said, Amy, yeah, like, Amy, treat like, me and scare me. <laughs> you know? Exactly. And Amy's like, what do you mean? You know? <laughs> 
Well, it's almost like they're suggesting that she was the one that kind of gave him the idea to accept the challenge to try to capture that, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, that's why at the end, exactly. when she, they go back to the museum and you see the sunflower picture mm-hmm. and it mm-hmm. says for, for Amy. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> She's like, and, which, which version, which one is this? Because <laughs> <laughs> he did multiple sunflower yeah, pictures. Yeah, he, he, tried, exactly. he tried really hard to capture that. So it's awesome. So I think this is where we wrap it up and we rate it one out of five TARDISes. Jen, thank you so, so much for this episode. Welcome. All right. What is your rating? Oh, definitely a five. Okay. Awesome. Mikey? Mike? Oh, I'm here. Sorry. I didn't I didn't hear you. Um uh sorry. <laughs> I, heard, I, heard. I was like, huh? I, I well there's a little glitch there, sorry. Um all right. Um I'm gonna go four and a half. I can't quite give it a five. Uh just uh and it I like I said, I don't hate the monster. I just I think the monster is an interesting idea. I just wish it had been um integrated a bit better into the story. And I think then it would have been a five, but other than that, I, I think um, the performances are great. Um, I don't, like, I think this won some awards and, 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 it, oh, and if it, did. it didn't, it should have. And, and Tony does give a, a fantastic performance. Uh, probably one of the best ones in, in, uh, in all of Dr. Who certainly. Um, and uh yeah, it's it really is a, a, a highlight of of the of the franchise. Okay, Mary, I'm going to give it a four point seven five. <laughs> wow, what are we playing? Like Price right? is Right? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Because I mean, there's it does the mon- yes the monster part bothers me, but there is so much good in here that it just kind of overwhelms that. So despite that, it is just an, an outstanding episode. I would recommend this to anybody who wants to get into Doctor Who to watch this. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't see how you couldn't be hooked after this. And I really want to call out Karen Gillan's performance because she does a really good job of portraying Amy's delight in meeting Vincent, but also um, her descent into confusion and kind of helplessness in light of what happens in the end. And it, it feels very real real so but i highly recommend this episode to everyone please if you haven't seen it go watch it you are in for a treat mm-hmm, exactly this wouldn't be a bad first episode of doctor who for Not somebody yeah agreed so all right um i'm gonna beat mary's with a 4.9 <laughs> One dollar. i want to get up i want to get up on the stage bob <laughs> So, but um, no, I'm going to give this a five. It's one of my I was gonna favorite. Say, if you don't give this a five, I'll be shocked because I know because I remember it was shortly when we started recording this. I think is when we first saw this and and reviewed it. I think, and I can remember. Yes, you just yeah. This is this was written for you. Oh, I gush over this one. This is one of my gush ones. This you know the scene where Amy is sitting there and. She's starting to, she's crying and Vincent comes up to her. Why are you crying? He says, I'm not crying. It's like, there's a sorrow to you. And he's able to see that in her. 
And she's not even realizing why. Because she doesn't remember Rory. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it was just awesome. There's just so many little things in this that just made it awesome. We definitely want to hear from you guys at home. Please write us at eswpodcast at gmail.com and tell us your thoughts. We definitely want to hear from you. All right. We are going to be at Hulanta this coming weekend. Some of you might actually be listening to the show at Hulanta. Hi, everybody. Come to our table, please. So definitely would love uh, for everybody to stop by, say howdy. Uh, you know, just always great to meet people who listen to the show. And you never know who you meet at a, con- at a convention. Look at Jen. We met her there. You know? Yes. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. So we definitely want to, you know, see you guys, talk to you. Um, for those who don't know, Hulanta is Atlanta's Doctor Who convention, and it is being held this weekend. And it is going to be, of course, at the, was it the Hilton right by the airport? So the Atlanta Airport Hilton, and it's from May 3rd till the 5th. So definitely check it out. Uh, guest of honor is Janet Fielding, who played Tegan. And definitely, this is, as of right now, this is going to be the final Hulanta. So they're not doing it anymore. So this is another reason to stop by. And even a better reason to stop by is we're doing a panel at Hulanta next week. That's right. We are on Sunday the 5th at 11 a.m. We are doing a, a Doctor Who panel, and we are talking about who was your first doctor and why did you stick with the show? So what about it? You know, why did you stick with Doctor Who? Was it the TARDIS? Was it the Doctor? Was it the stories? Was it the special effects? No, nobody stayed for the special effects. No, no, especially old series. So, but it definitely, we definitely want to see everybody. Please definitely stop by. You know, so you could find the, them at hulanta.com. And, you know, it's going to be a great, great show. And Mike and I will be there. Sadly, Mary will not be coming with. She's gearing up still for Dragon Con. So she's saving all her shekels for that. So she'll have all the energy for it. But, you know, so that will be our next episode because we're going to be actually doing that panel and recording it live. So you guys probably next week will actually get an early episode for our next episode. Yay. So So Mary has the week off, basically. So until then, though. Exactly. It's a hard knock life for her. So, Mary, speaking of you, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. This And thank you, Jen, for choosing this episode. It was a great one to talk about. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> and Mr. Mike? As always, it's my pleasure. And Jen, thank you, thank you once again. Oh, also my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me back. <laughs> and once again, how can people find you? Um, um, mostly on uh, the Starbase uh, Next Generation is also where I'm podcasting. And I might possibly be back on here one of these days. You never know. Oh, I can almost guarantee it. <laughs> she's one of those people that will be, you know, she's like River Song. You never know when she's going to turn up. So, <laughs> Hello, sweetie. <laughs> so it'd be very fun to do. So we will see you guys next week or we'll see you at Atlanta. Until then, my name is Mike Faber, and we'll see you next time on Air Station Who Podcast. Peace, and we're done.
Nice and easy. You have been listening to Earth Station Who, a bi-weekly pop culture podcast dedicated to all things Doctor Who, featuring talent from across the universe. All topics on the show are the sole opinions of the individual and are used for entertainment value alone. You can subscribe to our podcast up on iTunes, Stitcher, or follow our blog at www.esopodcast.com. You can also follow us up on Facebook, Twitter, or Google+. If you enjoyed the show, please leave feedback up on iTunes. ESO Network has a brand new Patreon? That's right. We're asking for your help, and you could do it for as little as a dollar a month. Don't fret. All your favorite shows will still be available for free as always, but now you can get exclusive podcasts and more not heard anywhere else but on our Patreon. To sign up for the ESO Network, Patreon's easy. All you have to do is click on the link on the top navigation of the ESO Network website or go to patreon.com slash ESO Network. With your support of the ESO Network, it's you who will reap the rewards. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the TeePublic store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.